Hello, and welcome to the Jewish Women Entrepreneurs Podcast, where we will speak about three of my favorite topics, women, Jewish identity, and leadership in business, so that we can understand what it means to be a Jewish woman entrepreneur in today's world. Every week, I will bring you episodes with guest speakers, life coaching, book reviews, and success stories to inspire and empower you to be the greatest version of yourself. My name is Natalie Garson, and I'm your host for this podcast. I am a successful Jewish women entrepreneur, the leader of the Born to Do Business Global Community. I live in Jerusalem, I have an MBA, and I'm the CEO of the Born to Do Business. My passion is to empower purpose-driven women entrepreneurs from all around the world to grow and scale their business, aligning cutting-edge business strategy with deep personal growth so that they can continue to love what they do while being hugely successful and have a great impact on the world. But let's dive in today's episode. Hello, Charlotte. Hello, Natalie. How are you? I'm good. Oh, I am and welcome so... to Denmark. Yes, I know. This is, so I have to tell you, we have so many things to celebrate. First of all, this is the first time that we're doing an interview in person in the oh. Jewish Women Entrepreneurs Podcast. This I'm is honored. yes, it is, and it's also the first time that we're doing it also in Denmark, in a, in another country. So I'm really excited. This this came out, and we just got connected uh, over the internet. And I asked you, do you want to be interviewed? So we're going to talk about who you are. You are a tour guide, and you are the owner of the Jewish Copenhagen here in Denmark. Right. And we're going to talk about how you came to become a tour guide and mm -hmm. what you do today. Yeah. And also, we're also going to talk about the story of the Jews here in Denmark. So it's a sure. fascinating story. We just spent an hour with you going around in the street of Copenhagen. And it was really fascinating to hear the story. But what's even more fascinating is that you have a personal connection to the story of the Jews uh, here in Copenhagen. And I would love to start with this because you told us about the story of the Jews in the war and Second World War, mm -hmm. and about your grandfather, who played an important role in that story. And yeah. so we feel very honored to be here with you and to hear that firsthand from you. But so can it, can you tell us a little bit more about the Jews, the history of the Jews here in Denmark, from the beginning until the war, and then also about your grandfather? Oh, if, yes. if we can have like a <laughs> shortcut, I know we, we spent. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So uh, Jews have been in Denmark for 400 years this year. So they were invited by a king called Christian IV and uh, they came here to save him financially. He had the country of Denmark going bankrupt almost and here the Jews saved him so he got off the hook. So uh, till I'm jumping now, yes. really jumping. Right. So I'm jumping uh, till the year, well let's say in the end of the 1800s, beginning of the 1900s when we had a lot of Jews leaving Eastern Europe heading for America, right? and uh, they passed through Denmark, many of them, and some stayed. So amongst those, my family, actually, um, my family went on the boat that was supposed to leave for America. Then the captain walks around, he finds my grandmother being very pregnant and kicking off my family. He's saying, not on my shift. Not, that's going to be too messy. You will get on a boat later. Oh, wow. Four generations later. They didn't get on a boat later. They ended up staying in Denmark. 
So uh, many other of those Jews coming in from East, they didn't know what America was like after all. And maybe, you know, now that we can Denmark, maybe this was a good thing, maybe to hold on to what they had got. They came to a country that allowed them to settle. There was not much anti-Semitism really, so they ended up staying. So this is why my family was in Denmark and ended up, I'm a Danish Jew, I could have been an American Jew, it's such a coincidence where they really ended up. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. And so your grandfather is here. What year is that? Can you take us back in time? So this is 1905. 1905. They came from uh, Lithuania. They okay. came from Warsaw. Okay. And they end up uh, becoming Denmark, settling in. They're Schneiders, they're tailors. Like uh, many of them, this is what they could do and could bring with them. And like uh, you see in Lower Manhattan, East Manhattan, they were working yes. in these small workshops and uh, there were so many people in crowded small apartments. But they, you know, they were hanging in there and made a little business. Eventually they learned the language. They were good at understanding. Yeah. Learn the language, give your children an education, and then you will be integrated. Right. So uh, the Jews here got well, very well integrated and became a big part of the society. And when we reach World War II, jumping a bit yes. again, um, when we reach World War II, it's a very different story in this country because the Jews are well integrated. They are really, the Danes are fond of their Jews and they don't accept that the Nazis want to kill them, wow. simply send them off How to many Danes. Jews are we talking about at this point? 7,000. 7,000. So at that point, there are 7,000. There never have been many more Jews, never less for that matter. It's the only country in Europe where you have today basically the same number of right. Jews after World War II That's as true. before World War II. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Not necessarily the same, but yeah. around the same number. Same number. Yeah. And so your grandfather is before the war or during the war, what happens when the Nazis so come So what happened was that the Danish Jews were saved in 1943. The Nazis are deciding to go for the Danish Jews. For the first three years, they had made a deal with the Danes, so it was not the case. But they changed their mind because the Danes are saying in 1943, break it off. No more. It's enough. Enough is enough. Right. Here they go, the Nazis, after the Danish Jews, but they don't succeed. So fishermen, people from the resistance, altogether many different Danish people are helping the Jews to leave the country to go to Sweden. Wow. So Sweden is next door. Right. Was, yeah. still is. Yeah. We're just divided by a body of sea mm -hmm. called Ørsund. We have a border in the middle of the water there. And Sweden was neutral. One okay. of the few neutral countries. So my father, my grandmother, they ended up coming to Sweden like almost all of the 7,000 Jews wow. from Denmark. But my grandfather since you asked yes <laughs> what happened to my grandfather it was that he went to the fishing village made sure my father being eight years old with all his clothes on the only way to bring it along and my grandmother they were now there and he says i'm not going to join you i have some business i have to finish oh. and my grandmother she's in shock I'm like, what do you mean we're being saved we have a chance to to leave and get out of here what do you mean business what business can justify that you're not coming with right. us. Yeah. So he says, don't worry, I'll find you in Sweden. I'll get on one of the last boats out of here. But it turned out this was the last time they saw him. Mm. And the business he was involved in was the resistance. Wow. So he had involved himself with the resistance. And 482 of the Danish Jews were arrested and sent to the camp, to Reschenstadt, outside of Prague. 
So my grandfather wants to see if he can save my family. I had my father had a cousin and she was seven. She's still around being 85 today. She, she survived. Wow. So her and her mother got away from the brother and the father. So the brother and the father got on their way to Sweden. The skipper said on the fishing cutter, we cannot wait. Now you either you go or you get off the boat. And they went to Sweden and they were captured. That's why they were not coming to the boat because they were hiding in a garden, arrested, sent to Theresienstadt. So my grandfather, he says, I want to see if I can save them. So my grandfather took his pitch black hair and he tried to dye it. He wanted to blend in with the blondes here in Denmark. Mm. Turned out all red. It didn't work very well. Somehow he got hold of a Nazi uniform. We don't know where and how. He puts it on. He walks into the Gestapo headquarters pretending he's a Nazi. So he speaks many languages. He spoke many languages fluently. And Yiddish was a language that he grew up with. He spoke German as well. Mm. And now he's pretending he's a Nazi. And saying to the Nazis around, we have made a mistake. We have sent the Bornstein. I don't know how that could really be a mistake, not being a Jewish family. But we should get them back again, not bring them to Theresienstadt. Someone is recognizing him, unfortunately. Oh. At the wrong time, at the wrong spot, a Danish Nazi. Oh. He was a neighbor of his. He said to the other Nazis, I know this guy. He's not a Nazi. He's oh. a Jew. Wow. So they arrested him, and had they only sent him to Theresienstadt, he would have had a great chance of surviving. Because you know what? Almost all of the Danish Jews, even those sent to Theresienstadt, were saved and came back to Denmark eventually at the end of the war. Because that was the, the, the king at the time that requested that, right? Correct. The Danish king, Christian X, who was reigning during the war, he requested it, and they listened to him. Anyhow... My grandfather was not in Theresienstadt. He was sent to Sachsenhausen, which was a camp in Germany. From there, he was sent to Auschwitz. He actually made it till the very end of the war. Then came the Russians and liberated the camp Auschwitz. And uh, they sent everyone who was left on what later was known as the Death March. My grandfather was on the Death March. We don't know if he collapsed or if he was shot. He didn't. He didn't return. What a story! Wow, I have to say, you're amazing at telling stories. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I could second listen to you for hours, and I'm also thinking this could be a great movie. I mean, him. Could right? that be a great movie? That would be like you know. Maybe him we with have the, some uh, movie uh, yeah. producers. Maybe someone is listening <laughs> yeah, exactly because you know just seeing him in the uniform and going yeah. and he must look so brave to do that. Like not afraid. I tell you what, when I grew up as a child, I had some anger against my grandfather because he left my father as a lonely child without a father. Now he lost his father. My grandmother couldn't take care of him and sent him to a boarding school, which is not necessarily good for my father at the age of 12 when they returned. And anyhow, I learned only later that he was very brave and he stood up and was fighting for things he believed in. And someone said to me as an adult, this is not so many years ago, this is you, Charlotte. You have taken this after your grandfather. It jumped a generation and you were now upset at your grandfather, but actually you got all this stuff from him. And I was like, wow. Yes, I didn't realize it. That so someone so, made that focus. Yeah, that is. I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, what does it make of you today to know that story and to know that this was your grandfather and 
And I was going to ask you exactly, like, how do you see that it stays with you and with what you decided to do as, as your business, which is showing people, you know, the Jewish Copenhagen and sharing the story and talking about the Jewish people here to Jews and non-Jews. And I also know that you are giving lectures around the world and it's going to ask you like, what is left from your grandfather's courage in who you are today and in your message? What, what is the message? So this, this is spawn on because my father, though he was an actor, actually my father, but that was another way of acting. Not he, he as a person himself was not interested in, in, nursing his identity not so much about Judaism it didn't really interest him a lot and uh, it was he was not someone who was uh, taking a torch in his hand and being will, willing to to follow uh, something that he believed in so again I think I have got that from my grandfather and ever since I was very young I was the chairman of the Jewish youth movement of Denmark I was involved in the EUGS the European Union of Jewish Students having the summer camp coming to Denmark with 500 young Jews from all over Europe in the lead of that. And I, I just loved and I, I, I thought it was important to make a difference. And sometimes it's really hard. Mm. Sometimes you go uphill, but I had kind of, I was motivated and uh, I had like a fire in me. I still kind of have of making sure that a message will come across and uh, that you have to, to, to to pass it on, otherwise things will die out. Yeah. You gotta you gotta take the torch. That is that is I can see that. We can still see the fire. But <laughs> if you had to define this message, what 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 is the message? Like when you go out and lecture or when you do bring people and you show them the story of the Jews, if you had to define it, what is the message? You can make a difference in the world. Mm. Look at what the Danish Jews did. Wow. They were willing to risk their lives. They made a difference. Yeah. Look at all the others who were bystanders, who were afraid or were just neutral or didn't care. Look how you as people, if you go into a course, can make a difference that makes the whole world. That is amazing because that we were just talking about how, you know, Denmark is really the exception. Right. right. The Danish people who helped the, the, the Jews is really the exception. Everyone else sent their Jews to the concentration camps. And and you were giving an explanation that was interesting about why did Denmark choose to protect their Jews or to even like with the king himself? You said before that he said if they the Jews have to wear the yellow star, I will wear it, even if yeah. he did never you know wore it at the end. But he did say that. Correct. And why is that? How do you explain that that the Danish people? have this position to protect their Jews. Do you, do you have an explanation for that? I think there are, there are a few reasons, though it's very hard to tell, though, because, I mean, how can we know for a fact exactly what ended out, uh, the reason why it did? But let me say that Denmark is a small nation. Mm -hmm. Always it was being threatened by their neighbors. And here a nation came in and had the chutzpah to tell them what to do. And, to, and then they end up saying, no, we're not going to, Let that happen, the, the big neighbor right. to the south, the Germans. Right. That's one thing. Another thing is that the Danes, the Danish Jews were very well integrated. Mm -hmm. They were, uh, though they were very small in numbers, they had a big influence in politics and economics and teaching and even the entertainment business. They were here, there, and everywhere in the media. So to the Danish people, 
the Jews were such an, a natural and big part of the Danish society. And of course, a fellow Danish person will be helped if needed when the Germans are coming after them. So I think there's a, a few different angles to it. Right. Small country, but powerful, right? So really keeping... Yeah. Uh, and hearing you talking about the cause and the message and you can make a difference, I also know that your son is now in Israel and he enlisted in the army. How is that for you to, to see your son going to Israeli army? Do you feel like the torch is has passed on? Did you Absolutely. I, I'll tell you a little bonus yes. story here. Yeah, sure. So we are right now sitting in the Jewish Community Center yeah. and we are sitting next to the synagogue, which is next door. And this is where we unfortunately had this terror attack back in 2015. And my children, I was here being a part of it and being a part of the rescued people, again rescued um, by the police this time, away from uh, from the Muslim radicalized people. One person actually, but still one person is enough to take out many people's lives. Yeah. So we had one person who was killed, a guard called Dan Uzan. And Dan Ozan was a child of the Jewish community. So my children were at home. I was trying from the basement where we were evacuated down here to call my children to text them. There was no signal. I couldn't reach them. I was afraid they would get on the news and be terrified. That's exactly what happened. My daughter Hannah slept through the whole thing. My son Simon turned on the television, couldn't sleep, was a little bored, and there it is. The Danish Jewish community is under attack. Someone has been shot. And you expect the worst. So he simply thought he lost his parents. He, kn- he knew that you were there. Of course. Oh. And now he sees on the television there's, there's been shooting and people have been killed. He thinks now he's without parents. Mm. He had a little trauma that we had to deal with there. So not a, f- a long time later, a couple of years later, he comes to me and he says, Mom, they have asked me from the Jewish community if I would like to become a part of the security in there. And I have accepted it. Oh, my God. And you can imagine like this Jewish mother's heart like <laughs> into two pieces. Yeah. One was like, yes, my son also takes responsibility and is not afraid and he wants to stand up for his community. I was very proud. Mm-hmm. The other half was like, oh, no, you can die okay. from this. I've seen someone was killed because of that. But um, he ends up going on a course with security to Israel. Later, he followed with another course for Scandinavian Jews. He totally falls in love with Israel. He falls in love with the girl as well. Mm-hmm. And he decides to go on Aliyah. Wow. And his plan was to start medical school here last year. But now he's in the army instead, being an Israeli citizen. And he loves every moment of it. Wow. So I don't know if it's like continuing the, with the torch, but he's happy doing what he's doing. And... How can I not be happy when my son is happy? Um, He's far away, but hey, you can get on a flight to Israel from Denmark, not being so long long away from here. So it's quite easy, actually. And I can't help but seeing like your grandfather's, you know, courage going through you and and through your son with this message, this cause, just wanting to defend. And it's very impressive. And now to end up, because we, we are now sitting in the Jewish Community Center, and we went to the to the shul, to the synagogue yesterday. We saw many Jews, and you even said that there were close to 400 coming on the Shabbat and on the services. There were different communities. Can you tell us about the Jewish community today in Denmark? Like, how is it? What is it composed of? And also, mm-hmm. is it in a safe, is it is it safe to be Jewish today in Denmark? Hmm. 
So we have, in spite of the fact that we are a very small Jewish community, between six and 7,000, and actually almost all of us live in Copenhagen and area around it, we have four different small communities. We have Chabad, we have Reformed Jewish community, we have an ultra-Orthodox, and then we have the old original Greek Jewish community as we are part of here. So there's room for everyone, and there's no really excuse not to live a Jewish life in Denmark because you have so many different options, which is great. Um, being afraid, now talking anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism comes from so many different angles. We have the radicalism around amongst the, the Muslims, that's the one we had seven years ago, attacking us. We have extreme right wings, mm. and we have extreme left wings. Okay. But definition, they hate Israel. They have a hard time defining what is anti-Zionism and what is anti-Semitism, to mm. be honest. Mm. So um, you never know where it comes from. On the other hand, these all of these groups are very, very tiny. So we're not looking over our shoulders, walking around, being paranoid, because the vast majority of the Danish people here, no matter who they are, are very tolerant. Mm -hmm. And it's a very peaceful and nice country to be Jewish in, but also to be Danish in, mm -hmm. I, I, I'll say. So no. But we have to be aware because they're out there and they can come from every angle. So security is something you learn to live with. Mm -hmm. It becomes the new normal. Yeah, uh, It's just the way it is. Yeah. And having said that, you just said that so many Americans are coming. You as a tour guide are having, you're having a lot of requests. Yes. How many did you have just in June? June was extremely busy. It seems like everything exploded and everybody wants to travel. So I think I had like 32, three wow. different tours. But I also have another very good guide working for me. Oh, good. I'm actually in need of more guides. Yeah. So I need at least one or two more uh, because of the, the demand. Yeah. So, yeah. And mainly American Jews. Mainly American Jews. I do see someone else coming in from here and there every now and then as well, but mainly American so far. So but far. we are open for anyone who would like to hear the Jewish story of Denmark. Well, it is fascinating. I have to say that I had heard about it a little bit, actually from my son, who had read about it. And, and oh, when really? we said, yeah, when we said that we're coming here, it was like, yeah, very interesting story. And then we started reading and doing some research and contacting you. And I, I have to say it's a fascinating story. I really am so happy that you shared that with us. And thank you for the tour Uh, that you did it with us and, and for this interview. I think it was a, a pleasure to not only hear about the story of the you know Jewish people, but also your grandfather and your personal uh, experience and journey with this. So thank you yeah. so much for pleasure. being a guest of the Jewish Women Entrepreneurs Podcast and for opening this for our tour, our global tour. Hopefully we'll do more countries and uh, we'll speak about Jewish identity and women leadership and business. And this is what the podcast is all about. So thank you so much. And thank you for what you're doing. Brilliant work. Thank I'm you. totally supporting it. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Bye for now. Thank Bye. you. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Jewish Women Entrepreneurs Podcast. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on our next episode with more amazing and inspiring content and discussions. You can visit my website, www.nataliegarson.com for more information on me and our Born to Do Business program. And don't forget, if you are a purpose-driven entrepreneur, you are probably born to be a leader.